0: edition of spooky super scary stuff of but have you heard about I am your host Courtney and I am joined by my guest Erica again. Hey so we are going to talk about two stories that are around the same area of Dallas and Denton Texas and if you've been to Dallas Denton Texas is not that far away but I want to start yeah. with Denton Texas story which is with the Goatman and it's a Goatman bridge. It's also called the Old Alton Bridge. So legend goes that if you go on this bridge, which you can't cross um, unless you're on foot or like on a bike, you go on this bridge and you knock three times on the iron truss part of the bridge, then this demonic figure will appear that has the body of a man and the head of a goat. And he will either do something bad to you. He might, you know, scare you and you fall off the bridge and hurt yourself, whether you die or just, you know, break a leg. But then if you break a leg and you can't get out of, you know, the creek that it's over, then I guess you're kind of dead. So it's basically, you know, if you're crossing it at night to be weary, it's it's just an interesting thing. So there's some sort of history that goes back behind the tale itself. And there's a few different instances. One is with an African-American entrepreneur. His name was Oscar Washburn. And his family tended a farmstead with goat herd and they were near the bridge. They had wonderful meat. They had wonderful, just wonderful goats. And what are, and goats milk and all the stuff you do with goats. I don't know much about goats, if we're going to be completely honest. So they just had great goat stuff. And he supposedly put up a sign um, on the bridge that said, this way to the goat man and called himself the goat man. And again, he was an African-American. This is 1930s Texas. It's not very pleasant to live in. It's not like it's harmony or whatever. Um, if you happen to be a black person living in Texas. So the KKK one night was fed up with him, and he was doing so well, he was an entrepreneur, he had his family, they went and got him. And some legends or some stories say that they murdered his whole family. And then they lynched him off the bridge. others is that, you know, he died first, and then his family ran away. But the one that I think makes more sense to go with, this whole legend is that they lynched him after murdering his family. And when they threw his body on the rope over the bridge, the body and the head separated. And basically, they went to go look to see, you know, to make sure that he was swinging there because, you know, it's like, hey, hey, hey they want to see what their work. And they saw just the head. They didn't see the body. And supposedly, they then saw a body with the head of a goat on it. And it chased them away. Um, and so, supposedly, if you go and tap on the iron part of the bridge, and if you have anyone in your family or your bloodline has either been a part of the KKK or owned slaves, the Goat Man's actually going to come get you. So, if you want to test your family's ancestral stuff, you can go knock on the bridge at night and see if you had KKK members or people that were slaveholders in your family. And that's a great way to find out instead of just doing, you know, twenty-three and me. Does not sound like a good way to find out. <laughs> just saying in case anybody was like oh we didn't own slaves but you definitely like lived in the gone with the wind mansion on a plantation then yeah maybe they were lying to you so don't go knock on the bridge but there was another story or another retelling of it from the 1860s and it involves almost the same setting where you have irate white people upset with this creole man from Louisiana they lynched him as well and he also had the goat farmer had his own herd of goats. And the same thing happened with him was that his head and body detached from each other. And apparently the corpse ripped off the head of a goat that was nearby and put it on because he was missing his head. And that's another tale of the goat man. And there's also the superstitious part that actually it's the wife who has now become the goat man. And she's upset that anybody comes and disturbs her husband's bridge. Wow, I've never heard that one. I I liked that one. I was like, oh, she's going to defend her husband's death place. I like it. So I tried really hard to find actual records because I was like, this is good. They even have a name. This has got to be great. I couldn't find anything other than the fact that, again, we are giving ghosts names because it just makes it feel a little bit better. And it just makes it more real. Because again, those that are victors, which would have in this case would have been the KKK that lynched a man. Um, They're not going to tell that story or tell what happened. So giving the name to a ghost, which might have been wronged, in a sense, would have, you know, just given a little bit more life to the story. And also, this sounds like something that would have definitely happened. Well, at least like it's the legend totally lynch- It
1: sounds like something that could have happened. Yeah. We know real stories of stuff like this happening. And not, not even terribly long ago. I mean, if you look at it in Jasper, you know, that was in the 90s in texas so it's not like this this type of story even needs to be ancient which is kind of interesting because you could paint these as like bogeymen of yore or whatever but it's really not i I was alive when that happened
0: me too Oh, so
1: that's kind of crazy
0: yeah the fact that we still have lynchings kind of creeps me out but mm-hmm. that's that's another day so yeah that's basically the goat man um i've never been to the bridge and the fact that i now know where it is and it is an actual bridge I kind of want to go, but again, you can't really get there by vehicle. You have to get out of your vehicle, and that makes me go, "Ooh, uh, hmm, no, I don't want to get murdered by crazy people in the woods." No, but do you think this happened? You know, I'm gonna go ahead and say that there's some. There's got to be some truth to this. Yeah,
1: because yeah, I think so too. I think I think it probably happened.
0: I think it probably happened. Whether or not there's somebody haunting that bridge is a totally different story, but. There's been enough people that have said that they've seen it. Now, granted, whether or not it's only targeting those of um, slaveholding or racist people blood, then that's a whole other thing. But I could see the story itself happening and the way to remember the story, bringing it to light by having a ghost story or a legend to go with it. Because, again, like going over a bridge at night on your own, you should be weary of what you're going over. So if you were to tell this to people to be like, hey, don't go on that bridge. Well, you shouldn't go over a bridge at night. That's like a, an old bridge that's been around since like the early 1900s. that hasn't, you know, been worked on because it's probably going to fall apart on right. you anyways. It's right. a legend in that sense, like what we've talked about before, where you're trying to like tell like as a mom or something, you're like, don't go there. Bad things might happen because if you're going to fall off this bridge, if there's a creek underneath, who knows what's in that creek? Mm-hmm. I want to say that one of the other things that went with the bridge or a story in a sense that went with the bridge was that closer in like the 90s or whatever, there was a lot of satanic rituals that happened out there and they would sacrifice live animals. And that could have bolstered the legend just because you have this cultist group out there that were, you know, doing sacrifices and trying to probably talk to demonic spirits. And they probably bolstered what was ever happening at that bridge. So even if there wasn't um, an actual demon that was there from the legend of the goat Man, there is now one there because of maybe what they were doing.
1: Ah, uh, so maybe an unrelated Goatman.
0: Yes. or Maybe he just took on the name Goatman. I mean, like somebody is going to take up the Batman mantle one day. And he's not really Batman, but, you know, it's Batman. Yeah,
1: yeah, I feel you. I do, you, and whenever I was a kid, you know, like, we used to hunt Goatman, and we did. I didn't know about the history of the actual legends, but we were always told, like, satanic deity type thing, <laughs> you know, which kind of makes it weird that we were all out there looking for it, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I digress. So, it sounds like part of that may be why I had heard of Goatman before at all.
0: Yeah. Because of the actual cult activity out there. I can see, like, Yeah because of the cult activity, I mean, being out in Denton and supposedly they outlawed a lot of it, but, you know, to have any sort of like satanic rituals or what have you, you're just, you know, you're opening that gate if you're a believer. I
1: mean, okay. So if you're talking about satanic rituals, are we talking about like satanic panic? Like, is that what was going on there? Because like the church of Satan doesn't really believe that you can conjure spirits because they're atheists. So they don't believe in in the whole like satanic ritual. So then you start
0: talking about devil worshipers, which wouldn't really be associated with any sort of like structured ritual. You know what? So, I probably read this wrong, but I know that they had rituals where they would sacrifice animals. That's all I got. So I would just call it maybe, well, maybe a
1: cultist? Cultist. I, yeah. I mean, because once you get like out in the West, Texas, in the place that I'm from, there's there's a lot of it And it's real. Like there's people out there doing it, but they're not Satanists. They would be like devil worshipers or weirdos. And you know, that's a whole different topic that I could talk your ear off about. Um, And there's some like murders and things that happened. But yeah, they're not affiliated with the actual church of faith.
0: That makes sense. Well, so we're going to leave the goat man. And we're going to go talk about okay. the, of the lady in white. Because my favorite part of this is that there's a couple that worked for Neiman Marcus that put this into their own book. This author, his name was Frank X. Tolbert he put this in this book about Neiman Marcus because it's um, originated from Dallas. And if you've never heard about the story of a lady in white, trust me, if you Google legend of lady in white, there's gonna be one near you because it took me forever to find out which one I thought I was gonna talk about today. But finding the one in Dallas was a pretty good one. So the legend has it that there's a lake and if you're driving, usually as a couple, if you're like parked by a lake, you will see a woman at night, come up towards your headlights She's going to be dressed all in white and she's going to be drenched. And she's going to come up and ask to get in your car and be like, can you help me, please? Either she fell overboard out of a pier or she fell off a rowboat, but everybody else was fine. She just needs to get home. She will tell you her address. And as you start to drive to take her home, because first off, you're going to feel horrible. There's she's completely drenched. So of course you're going to be like, oh, let me help you. Normally it goes that the couple will be driving and normally it's the man driving and the woman will turn around and she will see no one there anymore as though the person had vanished, but there's a puddle of water that's still there. And they will normally continue to the address that they gave and go to the address. And whenever they get there, somebody will be like, Oh, you're, you know, you're the third couple tonight. That's come by. Or in this other instance with the Malloys who had worked at Neiman Marcus, they apparently talked to this man who had said, yes, my daughter died like three weeks ago. So to just give it a little bit more of a background, this woman, her name was Anne Clark. She wrote of this account of this first happening in 1943 and talking about these couple or this couple. And they wound up being the third couple to go to this house to say that they were sent there by this woman. And they were like, oh, yeah, this woman, she passed away. They either called it a sister or um, a cousin. It wasn't like their daughter or anything that had passed away. And she had jumped off a, and she'd committed suicide. So, and the story from 1953, which was included, and again, in the book by Frank Tolbert over Neiman Marcus, Texas, the story of the proud Dallas store. He talks about how this blonde girl appears on the road near White Rock Lake. Mr. and Mrs. Guy Malloy were the directors of display for Neiman Marcus. And they spot her just standing there, and she looked like she had walked up from a beach. Again, this is a lake, obviously not a beach, but she's drenched and she's in the headlights. And my favorite part of the story is that Mrs. Malloy turns to her husband and is like, oh, she's wearing Neiman Marcus attire. But she says it like, she's wearing the clothes. And I'm just like, Who? <laughs> what? What? how is that? I was like, okay. Oh, and she's like, you can tell it's a very fine dress and she must've fallen in the lake. Yada, yada, yada. So when they're talking about this dress, because they never once say she's wearing Neiman Marcus. We just all know that's what they must mean. Because, you know, they're hoity-toity and they understand fine dresses must mean Neiman Marcus. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But this girl asked them to take her to this address on Gaston Gaston Avenue in nearby Lakewood. And she didn't offer any sort of explanation for why she was drenched. And the boys were too polite to ask. And according to Mrs. Malloy, her long hair began to dry in the night breeze, meaning she didn't think she was a ghost. And she apparently was getting drier by the moment. Saw, <laughs> look, the fact they went into this much detail brightens my day to retell the story. But supposedly, as the dress began to get drier and she saw her clear, she's like, it must be a Neiman Marcus dress. Look, whatever you got to do to sell dresses, I understand. So the girl got in the back. So I feel like this is some genius marketing
1: on Neiman Marcus, though. I've never heard it of this is. before. I
0: feel like this is like genius Halloween marketing or something. I love <laughs> it. And now I'm like, do they have a special dress that they have around Halloween every year that's an all-white dress that could, or like an all-white gown that could be considered the lady in a white dress? I just hope Neiman Marcus does this. If they don't, they
1: should be listening right now.
0: <laughs> I know. Like, look, let me be part of your marketing team, guys. If you pay me $10,000, you can have my idea. Otherwise, it's copyrighted by me right now. So <laughs> this girl got in the backseat of the two-door sedan car that they were driving at the time. So again, there's some sort of interaction happening. And they started the car. Mrs. Moy turned around and discovered the girl had vanished. And the only trace of her was the damp spot on the backseat. seat. They were confused. And because of this, they still decided to go to the address that she had provided them, which seems pretty dumb. But if you're a ghosty person, I guess you're like, man, this seems like a mystery to solve as opposed to being like, yo, I don't know what's going on. We need to get out of here. Like, what have we, what have we been drinking? (laughs) I Marcus story, because trust me, it gets more marketing a little bit in just like two minutes. They go to the address. A middle-aged man met them at the door. He informed them that his blonde daughter who wore nothing but Neiman Marcus clothes had drowned two years before when she had fallen off the pier. Huh?
1: All she wears is Neiman. She wore nothing but Neiman Marcus.
0: That's interesting. That's and that's literally nothing but, the best story. Nothing but Neiman. Nothing but Neiman. <laughs> no, so so I have some follow-up questions here. <laughs> yes,
1: as one should. So it was so. First of all, I've never known anybody that only wears like clothes from this one store. That's really strange. Even for rich people, that's really weird. Here's my other question. There. It was a two door sedan, right? Yep. So they had to let her in the back seat. Yes. Um, I know myself, like most people have climbed into a two door sedan before. It's not necessarily the easiest seat, right? Yeah. Like you got to push the seat forward. You got to like maneuver your way into the back seat. So, obviously, she didn't just, like, float back there. Like, they would have stopped the car, missed whatever her name is, would have gotten out and was like, here, let me push my feet forward for you. The yep. girl would have lumbered into the back seat all awkwardly. <laughs> and then she just disappears. Do you know how pissed off I get when I have to get in the back of, like, a two-seater? Oh, no, I'm the same way. Like,
0: it's, it's one of the most awkward things. It's the worst. And you have to get out of the car for somebody to get back there because it's not like... I mean, I'm assuming if you're the director of like some store stuff at Neiman Marcus, you fancy, you're not going to just be like, here, let me just roll my seat up while I'm sitting in it. Cause I'm lazy and like flip forward. This seems like a very established Neiman Marcus only wearing lady. So she can get out of the car. So she doesn't wrinkle her clothes because they're Neiman Marcus. And let's say the other well, person, I mean, maybe that's why she just, maybe that's why she just,
1: maybe she was like <laughs> buckrolling out of this car.
0: <laughs> like I'm done with this. I don't need to be here no more. The fact that they were like, it's a two-door sedan, and she was in the back seat, and then all of a sudden, she's not. And I'm like, well, maybe she really wasn't back there, and y'all just thought you let her back there, and y'all actually just left her to, like, be wet outside. I don't know. And then you went to the wrong house where somebody had drowned, and, like, maybe the house next door is the one where, like, this poor woman was left. I don't know.
1: I'm thinking that they were just sitting around one night, all full of wine, going, how could we do some marketing, some marketing? cheap free marketing, whatever for Neiman Markets. So they're like, hey, let's invent a story that might make it onto the news so that we can name chat Neiman a few times. It's actually, I mean, that's kind of smart, really. It really, really like around is. Halloween. It's not stupid. Like that's no. actually pretty smart. Like let's invent a story that, you know, we're never gonna get sued for or anything because nobody can prove it didn't happen. Exactly. So yeah, like it's not stupid. No, it totally a, sounds like something that you could come up with. Like if you were sitting around getting all boozy, trying to think on how to
0: market your store. For me personally, this is a very believable, good story. I mean, you're using real people's names as like supposedly one of the first people that had happened to you. And you even gave a date like two years before she had fell off the pier at this lake. And the lake is still there. I'm sure the pier is there. You could probably go to it if you really wanted to. So you have like, all of these concrete evidence, but at the same time, I'm gonna call this a marketing ploy.
1: Okay, so I think that the least believable part
0: about it is that two rich people in a Tudor sedan stopped in the middle of the night to help somebody. Oh, that's a hundred percent the most unbelievable part. I, like in reality, they'd be like, Sorry about your luck, exactly. <laughs> like, unless she was in the middle of the road and they would have to have hit her if they didn't stop, but even then, I feel like they would have weaved. Yeah.
1: I mean, maybe if they were in a bigger car and it wasn't such a pain in their ass and their wife didn't have to get out, like let somebody in, but like, just, just needed to put somebody in the back seat and then take her home and she's wet and she's going to be like leaking water all over your bins. I mean, I just, I'm not buying it. Yeah. I
0: don't,
1: I don't think that that's unbelievable. I call it a marketing scheme.
0: Yeah, definitely marketing scheme. This is the end of our ghost stories of Texas. And I didn't get to ask you during this time, Erica, but are you a skeptic or are you a believer? Oh,
1: I'm a skeptic for sure. I don't believe in any of this. <laughs> I think it's fun. I think it's neat. But yeah, I'm a skeptic for sure. It's not to say that I don't believe in ghosts necessarily, because I do think anything like that's possible after you die and with your energy and whatnot. But as far as kind story test, yeah, I think it's all about shahoo. But I do think it's fun. I love to be scared. I love to talk about it because it really is part of the fabric of our culture, you know, these folklore legends, especially here in Texas
0: but there's so many great ones. There are so, so many good ones. Yeah, I I honestly thought it was hard to narrow it down talking about the Texas legends itself. I mean, we'd even bring up like the ghosts of the Alamo or how there's supposedly ghosts that haunt over at Fiesta, Texas. And that's just San Antonio. Well, that's going to conclude our special segment about spooky, scary skeleton stuff. And with that, I hope you have a fabulous and scary and beautiful night. Again, this is Courtney and I'm with Erica and have a fabulous rest of your evening. Bye.